What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. What's up? Welcome back. It's Victoria Brown, your host of the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, did I tell you that enough? Did I tell you that enough? <laughs> I am so happy that you are here. Um, cannot stress that enough. But anyways, today is a really, really great episode. So like, you know, like when you just have a conversation with someone and you're like, oh man, like I like you, like this person is really cool. Um, that was this, that was Andrea today. So today I have Andrea Owen on and she has written three books, which we're going to talk all about that. And really she's like, I don't know. They're all kind of three books about how to live your best life, which is really uh, obviously spot on for this podcast and why we're all here. Uh, and we get into some other stuff too. So we talk about confidence. We talk about things we should start doing. We talk about things we should stop doing. We talk all about just, you know, Andrea's story. And then we also get a little bit into my story um, and kind of how I found a way in my life to own who I was uh, and really step into my power because for a long time um, and for reasons that we'll talk about in this in this podcast episode, uh, I kind of was afraid to be who I am. And I spent a good chunk of my life kind, kind of really just trying to be smaller. Uh, and at a certain point, there were a couple things that happened that we'll talk about, but I I decided to stop apologizing for who I am and stop apologizing for how much space I take up in the world and really just be might just be me. So we talk all about that today. Uh, and then we talk about Andrea's books and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So let's, let's get into it. All right, you guys, I am very excited. I am pumped. I have Andrea Owen today on today and she is a three time author, like just like swallow that pill for a second. That is such a big deal. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to her um, about her books and all of the messages that she shares with her followers. Um, she's a super inspiring woman. Uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. She's also a keynote speaker among so many other things that she does and a life coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She's badass. Um, Andrea, thanks so much for being on today. I am so, I, we match energy, Victoria. So I'm telling everybody right now to buckle up. <laughs> I'm excited. I cannot wait. So yeah, you have written three freaking books. Like, let's just start there. Like, I am just so I'm, I'm so enamored, inspired, all of that. Um, the fact that you've been able to write three books. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I mean, it started because I woke up, I, I got sober and woke up and decided, you know what, I'm going to stop talk, just talking about it and I'm going to do it. So I did that. And I also started playing roller derby around the same time. So it was like wow. these two huge things that I had always wanted to do and just sat on the sidelines for one of them quite literally and did them both in the same year. Wow. And just piggybacking already off of you saying the word sidelines, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it's weird because I've been talking about that in my soul cycle class a lot recently, which is like, life is not a spectator sport, right? You're not supposed to just sit on the sidelines and watch everyone else play the game. Like we're supposed to get in there. And so you were, you were like, have been wanting to do roller derby for like a long time. And then you finally were like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I was 35 or 36 at the time. Like I was no spring chicken. Like there were 
there were some women on the team where I could have been old enough to be their mom. Like I would have been a teen mom, but still. <laughs> so there was a lot, like my inner critic was like, you're too old. You haven't skated since you were, well, I rollerbladed in the nineties, but that was a long time ago and you're going to get hurt. Everyone's going to make fun of you. So I had to, I had to get past all of that to actually go out there on the track. I was not great, but I still went out there and did it. Hold on. Now we're going to totally segue and get off topic. I had a feeling. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, because I want to know, like, what was the first day? Like you show up to roller derby practice and like, you're like, Hey, I've never, Oh, tryouts. I've never Mm -hmm. done this before. Like I haven't rollerbladed in years, but like, here we are. Well, I, this is where YouTube is your friend. So Uh, I talked to them ahead of time. I would go, they're called bouts. The games are called bouts. And I would I would talk to the women who were, um, who were, you know, doing the tickets and stuff and they were on the team. And I would ask them like, what, what do I need to know to try out? And they were like, oh, here's the list. Go on YouTube. It explains everything. So I practiced ahead of time. So I didn't go in completely (laughs) green and not know what was going on. So I did know a few things. And like, to be honest, the, the league that I was in, we weren't like, you know, national champions or anything. So it was fairly easy to, to get in. Um, you had to like really try to be bad <laughs> because they teach right. you. You're called fresh meat. And as long as you can do some basic things, they teach you the things that you that you have to be able to do to pass the test to be insured by the league. And so they they definitely walk you through it, but it was still terrifying. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, all right. So you are all about walking the walk. Talk in your talk. Three books. First one, 52 Ways to Have a Kick-Ass Life. Mm-hmm. Second one, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. <laughs> Amen. Hi. <laughs> and then most recently, Make Some Noise. Um, so let's talk about off top, you know, Make Some Noise, your, your most recent book. Um, what's that all about? Um, and why should people people jump into making some noise in their lives? That book was born really when I was writing my second book, because in my second book, I was talking about the inner critic, uh, you know, the negative self-talk that we have. And I was, I was naming all the places that it comes from. And one of the ways, you know, the, the avenues, if you will, that it, that comes in for women specifically is the culture that raised us. And we are brought up in a society and a culture that tells us we are more valuable if we look a certain way, if we act a certain way which typically keeps us down. You know, we put everyone's comfort before our own. And it was only about two paragraphs that I wrote, but this is what happens when you write books. You feel like a flame ignited around one particular topic that you want to expand on. And that's where Make Some Noise was born. So, um, and please, if you're uh, if you're someone who identifies as a man, don't turn it off <laughs> because our culture keeps men down as well for other reasons. But Make Some Noise was primarily written for, for, for women and- I am obsessed, Victoria, with getting to the root of the problem. Like, let's not just put Band-Aids on symptoms. Like, what, what, what is the root of the problem so we can go in and fix it? And largely, most if not all of the topics that I talk about around personal development stem from our culture. And, you know, do I expect this to be fixed within like a handful of years? No, it's an enormous, complicated issue that bleeds into a lot of other systems. So... Without getting you know too too much of a rant, uh, that's where it was born, and I wanted to just talk about the elephant in the room, if you will. 
Right. And so kind of the premise behind it is like some things we should definitely start doing immediately and then Mm -hmm. some things we should stop doing immediately. So let's talk about what we should all start doing right now, because we always like to give tangibles, like to give something you can take away. So what should we start doing just live to live a happier life? Well, like the first two chapters of the book, and I think if you ask a lot of self-help authors, they'll tell you, like they, they talk about the biggest things that are the most important to them in the beginning. Cause they know a lot of people don't finish. No, no shade to anyone. Like I've been guilty of not finishing a self-help book many times, but the reason I put, um, take up space and start shining too bright in the beginning is partly because they are closely related and they sort of encompass much of the book. And so I encourage people to start taking up space. So that can be like with their voice, um, with their opinions, with their bodies, it's a whole conversation we could have about that. And then the concept of shining too bright, it was not an accident that the word too bright is in there instead of just shine bright. Because what I found over the years is that many women have a fear of outshining people in their life, whether it's a sibling or a best friend. A lot of times it's their parents. You know, they've made more money than their parents ever did. And, or like, especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship and you're a woman, you don't want to out earn your husband for fear of emasculating him. And we have all these you know, fears, sometimes they're unconscious of being too successful or too beautiful or too, you know, whatever it is, because we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. And that's what I dig into in that second chapter, um, because it's complicated for a lot of people. It's not just as easy as girl, get out there, do your thing. (laughs) It's it's a lot of, a lot of different topics that can come up for people. It is, um, man. And I mean, I, I struggled with that and I still struggle with that. I think, I think a lot of us do with this, this idea of like shining too bright. It's like, you want to dull that if there's like that famous quote, like don't dull your shine to make other people, mm-hmm. people feel comfortable. Um, I think I butchered it, but it's something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but it, it's true because it's like, you know, people are not nice. A lot of people are not nice in the world. And so a lot of times if they see something in you that they don't see in themselves, then they're mean. And so then what is that? That in turn causes us to say, okay, well then I'll just be smaller. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I won't take up as much space. I won't be as bright. I won't lean into the things that I want to lean into. I won't do the things that I want to do. Um, because I don't want to, you know, make everyone else feel like they're right about me. Yeah. Uh, We don't want to risk that vulnerability. And it's so interesting. Like I saw you immediately get uncomfortable and the coach in me like wants to ask you like five questions. (laughs) I mean, we could talk about it. I, I, we could definitely talk about it. Well, like, I'm, I'm curious what came up for you. Cause I saw it right when I was at the tail end of what I was talking about, I could see the wheels in your head, thinking about your own personal stuff that you have possibly held yourself back on. Would you mind being candid and, and telling us what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gosh, it's okay. It's a bit of a long winded story, but I'll make short, but it's two part one. I was in high school. I was always kind of a a confident kid. I just really was. And, and I think that people in high school, like they didn't really understand that. And I didn't know what it was either. I just was kind of very sure of myself. So it's so, so messed up, but we had senior superlatives and one of the senior superlatives was most conceited. And I I won that. that. (laughs) You want to win that. Oh my God. Help me change my narrative around it because I sobbed. I I love that word. I I want to take it back. 
Okay, great. So we'll get, we definitely need to unpack that. But like, I get this superlative and I sobbed. I remember I had to go to lacrosse practice or something. And I remember I was just like, I felt like the smallest person. I was so upset. I was crushed oh because I was like, oh my God, like I, I can't believe people think this about me. I don't think this about me. And like, I spent all my time, I felt like trying to not be that and not come across as that. And like, it just really, really crushed me. Like it crushed me. And I hope, I mean, I hope it's not one of the superlatives still today, but the fact that it even was, is just mind boggling to me. Um, I'm like, anyways. And then, so fast forward to me going, uh, to college also in high school, not doing things. Like I remember I wanted to try out for the, the musical. Um, and I remember I like memorized all of the words for the song that was in the audition and I practiced it at home and I, I messed up a million times. And then I, I did it 10,000 times in my bedroom until I finally got it right. And then I was like, so excited for this, but it was for the lead role in the uh, musical. And so on the day of the audition, I just didn't go. I didn't go because I was like, I'm going to end up being exactly what everyone thinks I am. Like, how could I think this of myself that I am deserving of being the lead role in the school musical? Because if I do that, then, then I'm telling everyone else that they're right about me. And so I didn't, I just didn't even go on the day of the audition. And then in college, this is how I found my confidence. Um, Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to tell this story, Andrea. I'm going to tell this story. So and I've talked about it in snippets before, um, but like I need to do a full download episode on this. But anyway, so I was working, I went to college in South Carolina and I'm working at Cheeseburger in Paradise. Okay. And uh, it's the middle of the summer in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And my family vacation is the week of, of July 4th. So I'm like, hey, I'm going on my family vacation. I need this week off. They're like, no, no, no. Like this is the busiest week of the year. You can't have this week off. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's my family vacation. Like, I'm going. And they're like, and I was like, okay, compromise. I'll go to the half the first week or the second half of the week and then I'll work the other half. And they're like, no, you don't understand. You cannot take off that week. And so I said, okay, well then I quit. <laughs> so thinking it'd be very easy to get a job. Um and then when I got back, so then I, I get back, I hit the pavement, I'm looking for a restaurant job. I can't find anything, nothing. No one, everyone's like, we already staffed up for the entire season. Like, sorry, we're not hiring. We're not hiring. We're not hiring. I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? So my roommate at the time works at um, a little restaurant called Hooters. <laughs> and she's like, I can get you a job tomorrow. And I'm like, absolutely not. I would never work there, not in a million years. No, thank you. I go out the next day, hit the pavement, try and get a job. She, I get I defeated, come home. She's like, I can get you a job. You can start tomorrow. She was like on the training team or something. And I'm like, absolutely not. No way, not doing it. The next day, hit the pavement, whatever. You know how the story goes. Eventually, I was like, fine, I fine, I'll do it. So I work at the one, there's one near campus. I work at the one 40 minutes away because I don't want anyone to know. And I keep it a complete secret. And I'm like, I don't tell anybody. Then it's the greatest thing that ends up happening. I work with all these women who are like amazing, supportive, kind. Like it was like a little sorority. It was awesome. And then I accidentally, this is, it was purely an accident. I had already quit the company. I was moving away to LA to do an internship. And I did this like bikini contest and I'd never done anything like that in my life. And all the girls were doing it, whatever. So it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And so I win. And then I go to Miami to do like their international swimsuit pageants, like live on Fox sports, like whatever. And there's 132 girls in it and I don't place in the top 10, but then there was this thing called the viewer's choice award. So it was the most text message votes in America. So I end up winning that and it was crazy. And then it just spiraled into this whole thing where I was like traveling the world and like doing photo shoots and like whatever with, with Hooters, which is crazy. And 
it truly, truly, truly was all on accident, mm-hmm. all of it. But anyways, I look back at that, that little brief, you know, stint in my life, because I think, think to myself, I'm like, man, like that was where I gave myself permission to be who I am and to say, it's okay to be in the spotlight and it's okay to take up space and it's okay to use your voice and it's okay to speak and it's okay to share. And like your life and your story doesn't need to look like everyone else's. And it, it just doesn't. And, and if that comes right now in that moment, in that period of time in my life, in that chapter, it comes in the form of, you know, a yellow or sorry, I, I said yellow shorts because I work at soul cycle and we have, oh, the yellow they were orange, weren't they? <laughs> and yeah, the orange shorts rather Then that was what it was. And I was okay with that, but it was the first time I gave myself permission to take up space and to make some noise. Okay. I love that three parts story. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing it. And there's a, there's a couple of things I want to point out. Like, first of all, um, and, and true story about the word conceited. So I was in like a peer mastermind. And if, if someone looks in the acknowledgments of make some noise, um, fair warning, four letter word coming. My, my good friend, Samantha Bennett and I decided that we wanted to get trucker hats that said, that say conceited cunt because it's so like punch in the face. And like, I want to take that word back because remember, especially in middle school, that was the name that you did not want to get labeled. And it, it floors me. And also I would love, anyway, it's, it's a much bigger story just around the word conceited and how we've made it and just villainized it and, and labeled people like Megan Thee Stallion and, um, Lizzo and especially Madonna, who's, you know, who was big when I was a a young child and may, and, you know, put these women sort of in this, just crucified them (laughs) for being confident and really working on pushing away this cultural messaging that tells us we are not to take up space with our bodies, with our voice, with our opinions, and we are not to shine too bright. And, and also, you know, if you were my client, what I would probably suggest that you do, and I I would want to dig in more and find out, like, are you beating yourself up? Are you beating your former self up for, um, you know, the choices that you made when you were younger to not try out for that musical, et cetera, et cetera. And what I, if anyone's listening who resonates or can think of something similar that happened to them or the choices that they made, like for me, I didn't try out for the tennis team my freshman year of high school because um, I'd played tennis since I was three years old, but had never been on a team. I was afraid of losing on a team. I was afraid of letting my teammates down and I was good. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was afraid of letting my parents down, even though they never pressured me. And I would, I beat myself up for that for so long. And finally, I can't remember if it was a therapist I had or a friend that said, what did your, what did your 14 year old self need to hear? Like, what would your, you know, 30 something year old self like to go back and put her arm around the shoulders of that young girl who was so excited to try out for the musical that you spent hours perfecting this thing that you were clearly passionate about Mm -hmm. and then felt that wash of fear of what people are going to say, being embarrassed to be in the spotlight, feeling like you're not enough, whatever it was, like what would your adult self go back and grab that girl by the shoulders and look her in the eyes and tell her, like, what did she need to hear then? And like, that's what I want people to do in order to heal themselves. Hopefully, like we have to do inner child work. We have to do, for me right now, it's a lot of inner teen work to be able to do these things that I talk about in this book, because it is not as easy as reading a self-help book and like, yeah, you might feel empowered and, um, 
and inspired and motivated, but that doesn't last very long. Like that's going to expire pretty quickly. Like you have to go back and do the work and think about the things that these events that you had, like you just explained that shaped how you are, because I'm sure, I don't know, I'm guessing, and you can tell us like after that whole thing that happened with, you know, working at Hooters and the, the bikini contest, like it hasn't been all smooth sailing. Like I'm sure that right, there's been course. moments yeah, where you've doubted moments. yourself and things like that. So that's why I just wanted to like throw that tool and strategy out there for people who might have a similar experience. And I, I absolutely love that. And, and it's funny though, because I mean, while I, yeah, there's, there's definitely a part of me that not a huge part of me that does, you know, regret that because I love to sing and, and I still love it. Um, but at the same time, I got to the place where I can pinpoint that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is kind of very, very useful, right? Because we, I wouldn't really, I guess, necessarily rewrite it any other way because it's been something that I've held on to for so long that's, that's caused me to say, anytime I'm scared to do anything, I do it. Yeah. If I'm afraid and fear comes up, I'm like, oh, that means we're doing this. Like we're going yeah. all in and it's happening because, because I don't want to look back at any other event in my life where I'm like, man, I regret that I didn't do that thing. And then time goes on and like, it's too late to, you know, I, I mean, it's not too late. I can become a, a singer, I, I suppose if I want to, but I mean, um, <laughs> you can, <laughs> I always think about Caitlin Bristow. Do you know who Caitlin Bristow is? The name sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, she was on The Bachelorette. Um, she was The Bachelorette. Um, and I don't need, I don't hugely follow that show like at all, but um, she's just one person in particular. Uh, but she's somebody who I look up to in that sense that like she won Dancing with the Stars and like, I don't know, she's done everything kind of, I wouldn't say late in life because she's super young still. She's in her 30s, but like she dropped a single that was like went to number one on the country charts. Um, like, I don't know, like two years ago or something like that. But it was just kind of random and nobody even knew she sang, I think. And everybody was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then it was like went to number one or something. It went pretty high. I don't know. Um, but I always like and I, mean, I don't know, I'm inspired by those those things and those stories and those moments because I'm like, man. Like take that thing, whatever it is for you that, that kind of shaped or molded you as a teen. And then, you know, do you use that as fuel to make sure that you don't make those same mistakes again? A hundred percent. Yes. I agree with that. <sighs> that. I feel like, yeah, I just had my own little personal <laughs> mini life coaching session. You guys <laughs> you need a cigarette, uh, <laughs> right? Like, um, I'm cracking up. I'm like, what other questions do we have for you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess what, that was some things that we should start doing. We should start taking up space. Mm -hmm. And that's also, we are very kindred spirits. You and I, you're so right about that. Like, um, matching energies, because that's also something that I say in my soul cycle class all of the time. I'm like, pull your hip back, hips back, stretch your arms out as far as you can open up your chest, like chin up, chest proud, like take up space. And I always tell people to like, if you practice taking up space, like on this bike, it's practice for taking up space in your life, yeah. you know? And it's important to do that because every single one of us is deserving of being here. And so we shouldn't, you know, make 100%. ourselves small. Yeah. Um, so yeah, take up space and, uh, don't be afraid to shine bright. So what should we stop doing? <laughs> there's a, there, you know, there's several, I think the ones that pop to my mind for your audience that we can talk about is stop waiting for confidence to smack you in the face and, um, that, I mean, that's a lot to unpack and also 
I mean, this was in the, the other section of the book, but like about money, like we, we have to start talking about money, especially for women. And, um, it, I think it's, it's becoming less and less of a taboo topic, but I still talk to women who are, you know, millennial women, even like some older Gen Z women who are in their early twenties, who still struggle with thinking that it's totally normal for them to get a financial advisor or talking to their HR person about their 401k and contributing more and just learning about their retirement and savings and, and their relationship with debt and all of these things. So uh, I think we have a long way to go when it comes to just making our money work for us instead of us working for our money. And I think that the topic around confidence is also connected to that one. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's totally accurate. Um, Man, let's let the confidence thing, waiting for confidence to smack you in the face. That means like waiting to live our lives till we till right. we get the gumption to do what, you know, what we want to do. I mean, life is like life is always going. The yeah. time is always ticking. The clock never stops. The days are passing. The minutes are passing. The hours are passing. The years are passing. The time is always going to be passing. It doesn't stop for anybody. So it's like I love that because you can't wait until you feel like you're ready you got to just cannonball into the deep end. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really interesting to, to re, you know, when I did a lot of research around confidence, like, cause I had some ideas about it, you know, that I, I've witnessed in my own experience as well as working with so many clients at this point. Um, and, and I'm like, am I correct in thinking this? <laughs> so it turns out yes, but we, we gain confidence through a few different avenues. And one of them is experience and, you know, mastery and like how competent we are at something. And I think for many of us, we, we feel like there's this, there's gotta be like this feeling or we need another certification or we need to practice more before we try out to, you know, be a soul cycle instructor and, or whatever it is. Like we wait and wait and wait. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you what, I think when this really sort of smacked me in the face for lack of a better expression was when I hit middle age, probably so I'm about to turn 47 and like my early forties was when, you know, I, I had always heard people who reached middle age and like Brene Brown talks about this and she has like this famous quote where she says, middle age is when like life takes you by the shoulders and shakes the shit out of you and said like, we're not fucking around anymore. That yeah. is true. Like Once you hit, like Can't I thought confirm. I kind of felt that way in my late thirties. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> when you get into your mid forties. And like your body starts to change and your skin is changing. I think especially for women when our appearance, I, I, I it happened to me and I heard it from so many women right around age 42. I'm going to scare y'all who aren't there yet. That's when like your face, I joke around with my friends and I'm like, why is my face falling off? Like it feels like there's like that hump that you go over when you start to see your body, like in the mirror, when it starts to change, I think especially for women, that's when we realize how real the changes are happening and we are in midlife and we are, we've rounded the corner, you know, like for anyone who's, who's run a 10 K or anything, like a lot of times they do a loop. And like, when you turn that corner and you're going back the other direction, it's like, holy shit, y'all, I need, and some of us start to panic. So I'm going off on a tangent here. Sorry for that personal midlife panic, but I think like it, how it made me think about confidence is I'm not going to wait anymore. I am going to dive in head first. And I also want to be very clear that a lot of this is based on personality. There are some people who are more risk averse and some people who are more risk tolerant. I am somebody, and you probably are too, Victoria. I am more risk tolerant. Mm -hmm. So I learn things 
retrospectively instead of prospectively, which is mm-hmm. great for entrepreneurship, not right. so great for like relationships. <laughs> They're like, yeah. yeah, let's get married. And then you're like, oops. <laughs> oops. But, but anyway, I, I just want to, but for the people who are more risk averse, I, they're, you know, hope is not lost for you. It's a matter of, you know, the, the great thing about those type of people is they really like to think things through and intellectualize. So that's where I want them to think about what are the things that you feel like you are competent at, like that you do have mastery around. And it might sound very like a, like a rudimentary uh, sort of an al- analogy, but like think about when you learned how to tie your shoes you did it very slowly at first. You messed up a lot. And then as you go, you can do it with your eyes closed probably, or at least have a conversation with someone as you're tying your shoe. And, and it's it, not to get too far into brain science, but I geek out on it. And I love understanding how our brains actually work. And that's what happens. Like when you master something, the neural pathways, the, the new connections become more permanent rather than temporary. Mm-hmm. So if, I've talked in a big circle here and I apologize, but I get really fired up about the, around the confidence topic is that, uh, especially for women, I hate to say it, but a lot of it is in our head. We mm-hmm. are so much more competent and ready to do things and able to do things than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And so I want people to think about that as well as even if you just start thinking about the things that you're really fantastic at, it can help you have that feeling of like, okay, I know what that feels like. How can I get that feeling from other things that I want to do? Yeah. I love that. Mastering your, your confidence, just Mm -hmm. going for it. The go for it muscle. (laughs) The go for it muscle. Yeah. That's an actual muscle. (laughs) Yep, you got to flex your go for it muscle. Yeah, (laughs) that's a thing. Flex your go for it muscle. Um, I love that. Uh, Okay, so in terms of like, okay, you got three self help books here, Um, and I've actually talked to a lot of people about this because some of the reason why I've gotten a lot of comments that uh, why like self help was overwhelming for a lot of people. Oh, and a reason overwhelming for me. Yeah, and also like. (laughs) I feel like I am the queen of not finishing a self-help book. So I loved when you said like a no shame and shade mm-hmm. if you don't finish your self-help book. Cause I'm like, man, that's me. I don't, I really like, I rarely finish them. And like, and it, it does always make me feel like shit when I don't finish them. Cause I'm like, man, this is like for me to get better at life or myself or whatever. And I'm like, man, it's hard to finish it. But anyways, I've gotten a lot of DMS that a reason that people enjoy this podcast is because it doesn't make them feel like shit about the world of self-help. Yeah. Um, And so you mentioned something before we started recording that it's fine if you're Mm -hmm. not working on yourself in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. I want to talk about that that because when you said that, I was like, (laughs) yes, because like I'm all for self-help, but I'm all for like, it's not motivation is not something that's there all of the freaking time. So when you're not there, like, let's talk about it. Um, I'm going to probably say something that probably don't, a lot of people don't want to hear. And that is that self-help in and of itself can become more or less an addiction. And for some people, it, it's a trauma response, you know, like we get so caught up in learning new things and like constantly having either like a podcast on or a self-help audiobook when we're grocery shopping or working out or doing anything. And, you know, I've had clients who've confessed this to me and like their homework was to just not have anything because for some people, the thought of silence, the thought mm-hmm. of just being with their lives and their reality 
and their pain and their joy and their families <laughs> and their feelings is over. That's the part that's overwhelming. So they choose the overwhelming of personal development and self-help and because it's a noble thing to do, right? It's way right. better than over-drinking or overeating. Right. Or even for some, it's better than over-exercising, you know, because I've done that as well. So we look at it as this noble thing to do. And my question is for people who find themselves in that place is, is there anything you're resisting in your life? Is there anything you're running away from? And I mm. say this from experience, like I spent years running away from my feelings, from my reality, from my life, from like my past hurts and, and honestly from pretty significant trauma, which I think right. we get to a certain age and like none of us are unscathed. So especially now, like, I don't know about you, but this is my first global pandemic. Like I've never done this before. I'm like, uh, I, it's a collective- What's the procedure? Right. What's the procedure, everyone? Exactly. So it sucks that we will probably never go back to how we were in 2019, that for many of us, our careers have changed forever. Um, for those of us that have children, you know, mine are 14 and 12 now, I am grieving that years of their life have been spent having to deal with that, even though it seems like they're so much more resilient than, than I am, but it's, it. It's this collective grieving and this collective trauma that I don't even think that we've begun to scratch the surface of it. Like we can talk yeah, about like yeah. long COVID and the disabilities that are coming in the next decade. I, th I think that we need to rest, not just our bodies, but our minds and our spirits and our souls. And, and you know, without getting like too esoteric and, and woo-woo with you, which we can, but I, I think that for a lot of us, especially that first like summer of 2020 kicked up a lot of stuff for us. Like we couldn't run away anymore. And so my yeah. point is, if you are feeling not good enough because you're not finishing self-help books or you're not finishing projects or whatever, like give yourself a break. Like this is a big deal. Even if you have enormous amounts of privilege and like didn't have any financial stress during the pandemic, like you still deserve to acknowledge how hard this is. Mm-hmm. Period. You still deserve to acknowledge how hard this is. Yes. I love it. It also feels just like self-help is coming at you from every angle, all of us, all of the time. And it's mm -hmm. like, get your mind in order. Get this in order. Meditate. Do breath work. Get a morning routine. Go to yoga. <laughs> get a morning routine. Blah. You know, it's like, it's like coming at you from every angle, like from every app, from every advertisement, um, mm -hmm. how important our mental health is. And, and while I love that, that, it, like the advertisements are there in that way. I really do. It's also, it's just understanding that it, the overwhelm that can come with that. So it's like, you feel less than sometimes if you don't have a morning routine or if you don't wake up and journal every day, or if you don't, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, it's just about, I think really just getting really rooted in who we actually are and what feels good to us. Cause it's different for everybody. So yeah. like if you are somebody who actually definitely benefits every day from waking up and meditating and from journaling or whatever it is and like hell freaking yeah, do yeah, that. go for it. Do that. Yeah. But don't feel like shit if that's not who you are. Just right. And well, I, I also ask people like, what are, what are you doing to actually do the work? Because I'll tell you what, like, it's one thing to read a self-help book and listen to a podcast, but like, are you also going to a therapist to address 
your daddy issues? Like, are you like really address them and like, not just talk about them. I think for me, that was a big eye opener when I first started doing any kind of somatic work and people who meditate and do yoga probably are like, "Mm mm-hmm, like- (laughs) We know. I work with a lot of women who like to intellectualize. Like we like to talk about the stuff and intellectualize it and like draw maps and and talk about it some more. And at the end of the day, all that self-awareness is so helpful, but it's not going to get you better. It's not. It's really like, I don't know, 25, 10 to 25% of the work. And some people don't like to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the rest of it is like you hitting the pavement. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> the roll it's, up, roll up your sleeves kind of stuff. It is like, and I, I, I relate so much of personal development work to roller derby because there's so many things around that metaphor that are the same, you know, even to the, like the rules of the game of how, when you fall, there's like a particular way that you fall. So you don't get your fingers run over and broken. Um, and then you only have a certain amount of seconds to get back up before you get a penalty. Like you have to, to get out. And then, and then also I think there's a saying in roller derby and it, all it is, is derby hurts. Derby hurts. We play on concrete and yes, we have a lot of padding and mouth guards and helmets and all that stuff. But like there are so many tailbone bruises and hip bruises and so many broken bones. And I, I think it's so much like life and just he, the healing journey. Like you go out there, you are going to get your ass kicked. You are there. It's not like an, like a maybe it's an absolute. Mm-hmm. And, but that's what makes it. That's what's to me, that's the meat of life truly. Mm-hmm. And how quickly can you get back up? <laughs> How quickly can you get back up? Yeah. And, <laughs> and don't hurt other people in the process because people will fall Amen. over you. And <laughs> Yeah. How quickly can you get back up, not hurt yourself and not hurt others in the process? Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole exactly. thing. I love that. Um, all right. So I will ask you one more question, which is what is the best piece of advice that you could give to your younger self? Oh, the first thing that came to my mind was break up with him. Um <laughs> Dump his ass. It's another story for another time. Um, I I think I would tell her it's okay to cry. I was very much like the the strong one and the tough one. You know, personality wise too. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm an ENFJ and I'm an Aries, and so it's like just I have this big personality and this like tough exterior which is true, but you know, the soft vulnerable side of me is terrifying and it has been since forever. So that's why I think what I would tell her that it's okay to show people like your nakedness metaphorically, I guess. Yeah. And literally if I wanted to <laughs> yeah. love it to the right. People. Um, well, you are so kick-ass. Thank you so much for this incredible just conversation. I know that so many people are going to enjoy it um, and go out and get I mean, her newest book makes some noise, but probably you should get all of them. Um, <laughs> How does that feel so, like shit? Well, I'll, I mean, for people just starting out, I think that 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life is a good, like, starter. Okay, great. Good to know. There you go. Yeah. 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life. It's lighter uh, than the other two. The other two are deeper. Okay, great. I love that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Victoria. It's been great. 
That is a wrap. Um, I told you guys that this was going to be an awesome episode. Andrea is just, I don't know. She, she's like super inspiring, but like what I love about her is like the way in which she is inspiring, which is like super approachable, very like casual, relaxed. Like you don't need to get everything right all the time. It's just like, you know, life is hard and let's do our best kind of deal. And like, here's some things we can do to maybe do it a little bit better. And here's some things we can stop doing, you know, so that we can be happier. Uh, and, and we all can, we can all relate to that. Right. And, and I know we got into it towards the end of the episode, but I just think that there is a wave that's going on around the self-help world right now, where a lot of it is just very much like, do this, be that, you know, and it's hard. It's hard sometimes because while you want someone to cheer you on in your life and that feels good and you want to know some more tips and tricks and things that you can put in your tool bag so that you can live a better life and be happier, there's also going to be times where like, you're just not in that that headspace, right? And so I think that when you're in that space and when you find yourself in that place, it's like, man, you got to lean on to the people who are giving you quote unquote self-help, I think, in a way that's digestible, in a way that doesn't make you feel like shit, in a way that like just it feels relatable, right? Because like, I don't know, like I'm a big, I've been obsessed with the self-help like world all of my life. I really have. And if you listen to the first episode of this podcast where it talks about where I tell the story of why we're here, why I'm doing this, um, I get into, you know, how I dealt with loss in my life uh, that led me to the self-help world at a very, very young age. Um, So I've always been really interested in it and I've always loved it so much. But I I just I do think that there's a way to deliver it in, in a way that feels manageable, in a way that makes you feel good about yourself. Um, and so I don't know, that's something that I've always aimed to do that. We're not going to get it right all the time. Um, you don't have to always be productive. You don't always have to be motivated. You don't always have to be inspired. You don't always have to be inspiring. Um, which is something I remind myself all the time as I position myself in this self-help world that like, there's days when I'm not going to feel like showing up either. And like, that's okay. Right? That is okay. Fundamentally, it's okay. Life is not made up of a bunch of highs. It's peaks and it's valleys, it's highs and it's lows, it ebbs and it flows. And it's just like, man, we're just on this wild ass ride. And and we just keep showing up for the roller coaster and keep riding the ride because it's a whole lot better than than sitting on the sidelines. But I don't know. I think Andrea also understood is what I feel like she understood self-help in the same way that I feel like I understand self-help, which is just like way more approachable. Uh, and so I hope that when you listen to all of the episodes here on the very best self podcast, that I hope they make you feel that way. I hope that no episode ever makes you feel like you're not doing enough. And I hope that they just make you feel like you're good how you are. And like, here's a couple things you can do, uh, a couple takeaways to like, you know, step into your power and, and really own who you are. But like, good days, bad days, all of it. Like you're good. You're okay. You're okay. You are okay. We are all okay. All right, you guys, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Seriously. I know I say it every time, but I'm truly honored that you take time out of your day to listen to this podcast because honestly, every time you download it, every time you listen, it really helps this podcast grow. And I've got big dreams for what I want this podcast to be and who I want to reach and uh, the amazing, incredible guests that I hope to have on for you. So uh, thanks for being here. Make sure you leave five stars, write us a review and uh, definitely share this on Instagram or TikTok or whatever 
whatever you want. Uh, share, share it with someone you love or share it with strangers on the internet uh, and tell them to give it a listen as well. Thank you. I appreciate you and I will see you next week. Bye guys. <laughs>